you know, if you think about 50 years ago in a CPA world, you just did the work. There was nothing else to do. You didn't have committees to help improve this process. You didn't have this software training to learn to implement. You just did the work. From Ray & Associates Studio, this is Unsuitable, a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. These days are pretty busy in the public accounting world. As you might imagine, a lot of coordination must take place to ensure that the sheer volume of tax returns flowing through our office are filed with the IRS on time. So as you might imagine, scheduling is a critical component to our success. And to help us maximize our capacity here in Ray's Dublin office, and in fact, across our firm, Melissa Dunkel, a senior manager on our tax team, recently reviewed our existing processes to ensure that we are being as efficient as possible. In doing so, she uncovered a few best practices all business leaders should be aware of when it comes to implementing their own scheduling practices. We're going to dive deeper into this topic today. Welcome to Unsuitable, Melissa. Thank you. First time? First time. Great to have you on. So really appreciate you taking the time during this this busy time of year, honestly. Not too busy yet. Almost. Yeah, we're we're (laughs) right there. Gearing up. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about planning. Obviously, a, a large part of what we do is try to schedule out and plan engagements right. and and going through that process it can be sort of informal or formal so what are what are some of the things you've tried to instill in our culture here to help us with well initially what we've really been working on is number 1 talking to our clients early figuring out you know what are their expectations when will they be ready for us from the assurance standpoint. And then if we do the tax work, how does that flow and fit in after and what their expectations are for timing? So that that always starts the conversation of, you know, what we know about them. Have we talked to them yet? What's their expectation? And then going from there, we look at, does their expectation line up with what we can fit in our schedule and, and what we have? Because, you know, we have more than one client. So if some everybody wants that same week, how do we accommodate everybody and, and make sure we can succeed and and satisfy them? So it it's always comes back to planning communication and you know being open-minded because we're as we're reevaluating the processes, the big thing is we look at what have we done historically? Has it worked? If it hasn't, what can we do differently? So to to continue down that path, we've tried to incorporate more scheduling with the tax side mm-hmm. as opposed to just the audit side. I mean, when you think about audit, you usually know, you know, you pick the week or two weeks or whatever yep. that you're out there. Here's the field work and we know, yeah. yeah it's more to that. solidified. The tax can depend on when people get forms, when people yep. know certain things and when they get you the information. So it's different for businesses versus individuals and there's smaller engagements. So there's more flexibility, more movability about them, um, which can also create a challenge because you're, it, it creates more communication that you have to have with those clients versus, oh, I'll have it ready March 1st. Well, maybe they don't have all the information, so right. they may not send it then. Yeah, or or you're forced to be inefficient because you get partial information yep. and then it's the start, stop, and right. start again. And you want to avoid that, mm-hmm. obviously. So. Yeah. The the ultimate lesson here is is planning, right? And try to 
try to do some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite saying with my kids is, don't make your lack of planning my crisis. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I can't use that with clients, even no, though I'd like no. to. <laughs> but I think, I think that works both ways, right? We, sure. We got to plan on our end internally from a staffing standpoint, from a, even above staffing, who's going to review the work, who's, who's in charge of the work and the relationship. And, and, and again, it all comes down to communicating with us. So being aware of, uh, you know, sometimes we, it's easy for us to get siloed in tax and mm-hmm. siloed in audit and siloed in salt, but making sure that the teams are talking. So right. if we know if the audit's delayed for some reason or ahead for some reason, does that help us or hurt us? And how do we how do we fix it? How yeah. do we plan? So it's it's not just the big thing that we're that we're trying to stay on top of is audit has always had weekly scheduling meetings. Sure. Tax usually would have them during busy season, but not so much outside. So what we're trying to incorporate is that weekly mentality in all departments so that we know what's coming, what we can fix. Because once you set it, the, set the schedule, it never stays that way. So right. that's where the open-minded piece comes into play too, because it's it's never going to be perfect. If it was, some firm would have created the perfect platform by now and sold it. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's all We'd they all do. We'd all be using it, right? right. <laughs> yeah. But I, I think I, I want to applaud you because in, in my time here, what you've done to kind of instill some of that discipline has helped us tremendously. And I know you and I and and others have all worked on trying to communicate more as a team. Mm -hmm. We have relationship teams when it comes to a client and and get away from, okay, we have one partner who's handling that. You know, let's make sure we communicate as a team that helps us all. Right. And I think that resonates with any business, right? Oh, yeah. I'd say if you asked most most owners, they'd probably say, oh, if we all communicated better, we'd have (laughs) less problems. I think with the technology today, it's so easy to to shoot off an email and then forget about it. Or someone sends you an email and you you miss over it because, you know, there's so many in your inbox. So sometimes it is, you need that reminder, just pick up the phone and have a conversation. Well, I think, and you and I have mutual clients in the construction space too. And and I tell them very often, I said, look, our business really is not that much different than yours. We have individual projects, mm-hmm. individual clients, jobs, and, and we try to manage our schedule right. appropriately and make right. those- Project as, management. Yeah, efficient as we can. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, it's kind of like the blinding flash of the obvious, right? right? And th- <laughs> it sounds easy. <laughs> And then they know they're like, oh yeah, that is that's hard for us. Too. Yeah, <laughs> we thought it was going to happen here, and then it didn't, and we thought it would cost this much, and then it didn't. And yeah, I mean, the reasons may be different because. Right. Um, so, so talk about some of the challenges we've had because of the say the change in the the tax law. Sure. So that's obviously impacted timing. Oh, absolutely. I think no one could predict, especially last year, how much time these things were going to take. You know, it's one thing to read up on the material to learn the laws and the changes. But then when you're actually in there coupled with the software and was the software doing things correctly. So you're almost double checking a lot of things last year because you don't know for sure, you know, till you got comfortable with it. So hopefully what that experience has done is allowed us to better prepare for next year, this coming year where we've, you know, had that first year under our belt and, and understand how things are flowing and understand um, what we need to do. Now, there's a, there's a few things that have, I think, changed for coming up for 2019, but nothing to the degree that right. 2018 has. But it certainly meant that uh, I think a lot more people extended than they mm-hmm. had in the past or anticipated. 
Um, but that was just across the industry from what I heard from colleagues of just, oh yeah, we couldn't get through it all like we had in the past. So we had a lot more extensions, which meant we were busier throughout the summer. So that definitely meant that communication piece needed to stay in line and keep up because yeah. we had more work to do then too. And and some of the some of the things they were still writing the rules as right. we were going yeah. too. You know, the the stuff with the qualified business income and, and real estate property, that stuff right. really, you know, didn't come to fruition until the middle of January. So right. at that point you're you're learning it all when everybody else is. Exactly. Yeah. And the, so there's obviously factors like that. And then mm-hmm. it pushes back, of course, then K-1s that are received, right. not in, in the same time frame, all those types of things. Yep. So hoping for better results Hoping this year. for better results. Yeah. <laughs> <I assume>. well, <laughs> we'll, Optimism. We'll see. So, you know, it was supposed to be a, a, a simplification of, of the, the tax law. Right. I, I'm not sure that part was. A <laughs> I don't know if anybody would agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that. <laughs> I was had a lot of a lot of clients that, you know, we took more time to walk through their returns and the information yeah. this year because we wanted to make sure they understood. Okay, here's why you can't look at your 2017 return, your 2018 return, and compare it. You you'd really have to take your numbers from 2018 and apply the 2017 tax mm. law to figure out what was the you know, was it comparable? Did it make sense? Because everything changed. Right. Absolutely. That's a great point. Yeah. So talk to me a little bit about from a a corporate, either corporate or individual perspective, being prepared, what can help make the job as efficient and and as uh, easy as as possible? I think it, it starts throughout the year early. So it's not just looking at January 2020 for 2019, it's really mm-hmm. looking at January 2020 for 2020. You know, what do you know that's going to happen in your in your business or your personal life in the year that you're in and keeping the people that need to be involved involved. So if you if you're a business owner and you know you're going through a big transaction, you know, don't wait till the transaction's over mm-hmm. to tell your to tell your accountant or or your attorneys, assuming the very least attorneys are usually always involved from that sure. legality standpoint. But sometimes we find out after the fact and then right. Then we're trying to figure out, okay, if what you did is the best way to have handled something or are we really trying to work backwards and, and help you get the most advantage, advantageous outcome with how you actually did things. So yeah. I, I always say just anytime you're doing something that's different, just tell tell somebody, tell yeah. us and maybe we don't need to know, but better safe than sorry. Yeah. And we've we've both had a few of those. It's it's always easier to to deal with it on the front end, right. even though you've, it, it requires an investment of time it by does. the client, right? And they yeah. think, oh, well, well, I'll deal with that at the end of the year. Yeah, it does. But sometimes it could be a matter of, you know, you were going to do something this way, but if you do it this way, it's, it saves you money. So, yeah. but if you've already done it, you might be out of luck. Yeah. And, and it's difficult to mm-hmm. undo it at that point. Or it can not, be, yeah. Or you're not able to. <laughs> right. So yeah, that's certainly um, a good lesson for everybody. So, if I if I think ahead here into 2020, mm-hmm. any any big changes uh, upcoming in in terms of expectations? Um, what what do you see ahead? I think still the the biggest thing that people are going to focus on is still going to be with the qualified business income area. Mm-hmm. I think that's as long as that exists, that's going to be a a heavy topic just because there's so much gray area with it still. So will we get further clarification down the road or will it stay as it is? And 
if uh, clients are starting new businesses, do they qualify or do they not? So I think um, even new service lines, if they're adding different service lines to their existing business, are those going to be sure. qualified or not? I mean, you could have a business that manufactures something, but they also then provide consulting work for whatever they're manufacturing. You know, those are two different two different uh, service lines within that. So sure. looking at that stuff, I think that's still going to continue to be an area. I know the opportunity zones are high, um, will yeah. have been a high discussion. They'll probably fizzle out a little bit here with the timing of, of how yeah. those work out. But from that standpoint, we're not expecting much of an overhaul <laughs> Good, for, for right. 2019. Um, I'm sure another one will be coming down the road. <laughs> but it's just, again, ha- having that communication and being open-minded, mm-hmm. I think um, that's that's the, the big thing. Yeah. We, we just, I continue to see, um, you know, I go out and we visit with clients and then the things that you learn that they didn't think were a big deal, mm-hmm. we, we aren't made aware of until, you know, it's right. almost year end or right. slightly after year end. This doesn't help anybody. Right. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes... You know, life gets in the way and everybody gets busy and you and you miss things and that's okay. And I think you you do what you can, but trying to be proactive and, and stay connected with the relevant people is always going to help. Yeah. Now, you talked a little bit about real estate in regards to the qualified business income deduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's kind of a, it's a, there, there's some safe harbors and other there things are. there. Um, can you just touch at a high level on, sure, on some sure. of that a little bit? The Real estate, just in general, is usually you know categorized as a passive activity for most people. So you have the argument of does it really qualify as a trader business in some cases? So there, there's the easy tests of you know you're a real estate professional and this is all you do, or you have hundreds of rental properties. This is all you do and you manage it. And 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 those ones are are typically easier to look at where you get to the the gray area is maybe you're an individual and you have 15 to 20 right. residential real estate properties. You know, you, there's there's court cases that go either way. So it's that type of stuff that we try and talk through with our clients. You know, how much time are you spending managing those properties, servicing those properties? Are you paying someone else to do it? Are they reaching those thresholds to qualify? There, There's a lot of ambiguity with it still. And and I think you have to, have to do, kind of do that gut check. You know, yeah. if, if you have two properties you know, it, it's probably, you're probably not going to get there. Yeah. Um, you, you really have to look at the details to it. But it's not to say those aren't really large properties. Maybe they're commercial businesses and sure you're doing a lot with that. So it really is, it's never never black and white. And I think that's definitely where the, the conversation and the understanding comes in because it's no longer a matter of, oh, I own real estate yeah. and it's a passive activity and this is how it flows through on my personal return. And I think that's a big thing certainly for for most all of our clients because they're they're all closely held businesses mm-hmm. and and in some fashion there's always some kind of real estate investment whether it's right. the business itself owned outside and yep. perhaps some other properties lumped into that same LLC or Yep. You know, and a lot of clients that that we have as you know they will have their main business and then they may own the enit or own the building in another entity. Mm-hmm. And depending on how that's structured, your tax structure, if you're a C Corp, if you're an S Corp, if it's triple net lease, th- those things all come into play with the safe harbor rules and the self-rental rules and if it qualifies or if it doesn't. So that really furthers okay for some discussion, depending on the figures, 
do we do a, a conversion from a C corp to an S corp or vice versa? Or what's going to be the best place? So we had a lot of those conversations the past year. Yeah, I think the, the ultimately the best thing is, hey, take the time to sit down with us or whoever your professional right. is and, and plan, right? Right. Have that. <laughs> yeah. Don't go with the lack of planning. <laughs> that That is not a strategy. <laughs> no, it's not. Not an effective one. <laughs> so uh, let's get back to uh, uh, the scheduling a little bit. Now, um, how do you, so for a, a business like ours, we've got obviously multiple offices, 12 yep. offices around. How do you take that from, you know, the, the small place here, say one office, yep. and try to take those procedures and then implement that across the larger firm. The other offices. Yeah. How, how do you, what, we're, what we're, advice do you have? There? Well, we're working in phases, I would say. We're, our region, the West Central region, which is our Dublin and Lima offices, probably the farthest along through the process. And it's it's been a lot of discussions. It's been a lot of people involved, but I was actually in the Lima office yesterday to to, to meet on the tax scheduling side. So, we're working through that as a region, but then I've I've had conversations with people in, you know, Southeast and Northeast region to say, here's what we're doing. Here's what seems to be working right now. You know, it's still a little too early to, to fully uh, to fully say for sure. We've learned these things along the way. We know yeah. we wouldn't do it this way next year. Just to instill that piece of it to to the other regions that have their own scheduler. Yeah. And from that standpoint, I'm sure we'll all, I think we talked about, we'll all come together and kind of have a best practice overview of here's what this region did. Here's what this one did to just try and create that one firm and continuity across the offices. So rather than say, okay, here are the procedures and we're going to just implement this across firm, you sort of, you start small. In other words, you say, okay, this is how we should do it here. We've identified these and, and sort of win at one level. And then say, okay, that that works. Let's yeah. And roll there's it out. there's some things that where you know off the bat, it has to be this way in all the offices. They're mm-hmm. the kind of the non-optional behaviors, so to speak, as Annie likes to call them. And that's the kind of stuff where you know it it has to work this way, or it's not going to work. So right. so then it's a matter of because every office is a little bit different with how many people they have that go through shop, choose, migrate. Um, that impacts the scheduling versus how many audit jobs, review jobs do you have versus tax. So every office is a little bit different in that regard. So you can't really say for sure this is going to work this way for everybody. Right. And and I think that's that's a lesson, though, for any business, right? Because you want every every locale that they might have right. is a little different. Right. You might be in a different metro area that yeah. things don't work the same way. Or, or jobs that they're doing uh, in one place aren't the same as jobs that they're doing yep. in another. But you try to have some... Guidelines. Yeah, some consistency yeah. In, in how you implement and do that. And I think, again, the the thing I applaud with what you're trying to do is bringing more people into the process in terms of the communication rather than it right. being top down. I mean, I know that's one thing you've been harping on. So talk a little bit about that, where you you sort of work from the bottom up in terms of getting staff and... Right. We're really looking at, you know, availability from the staff level is, is really where it starts, but then also providing them some opportunity for accountability. So, you know, they don't need to wait for us to say, you know, did you do this this week? If you didn't, you know, you need to adjust your schedule for the following week. I think they're starting to to get that groove of okay there's no reason why i can't go to you know 
Marion and say, hey, update my schedule for this time that got pushed back or whatever. So trying to instill that level of accountability early on. So then the trickle up effect essentially will be that you don't have anybody having to micromanage other people or other people's work. You kind of know and that communication gets built early on. And so they're the, everybody from uh, all levels, they're more engaged to say they're part of the process right. and say, well, I think, you know, this is going to take me X amount of time. And then so I can go adjust my schedule accordingly right. and, and do something else that's productive. Right. And it's allowing us to look in our region at capacity issues. Do we have the right people at the right levels doing the right work? You know, we know we don't have the right people at all the levels that we need. So how do we, you know, be the most efficient and and push work up or push work down, whatever it needs to be done to get it to get the work done. So that's also allowing us to look at it from a, a whole higher picture where we're incorporating the audit side and the tax side. Yeah, I think that's that's wonderful. And again, I think that applies to any business mm-hmm. too, because you're you're trying to look at your capacity and and fill accordingly. Right, right. It's uh, no different than our construction clients that are winning projects. That you know, do we have the the people to to fill the the need for the labor, or, you know, yeah. or if we're producing the materials, do we have the materials that, you know, we can sell them? So right. it's no different from that standpoint of trying to plan it that way. But if we can go talk to each project manager and the, and the, the field labor that's working over here, hey, right. can we achieve some efficiencies or do we have some capacity? Right. Because things... Or if you're done here, do you want to go to yeah. this job, you know? Exactly. Same, similar idea. Yeah. So I think that's, again, having that, all of that is a part of your culture where everybody feels involved in right. it and it's not a top-down type of thing. Right. Maybe we need to look at a construction project management software instead. <laughs> we could. I know there's some there's some good ones out there that uh, I <laughs> Might know, work know our a little clients better. <laughs> too. Yeah. But um, it, it, again, it's the same challenges. I think ultimately, no matter what tools you're using, right, the communication. Right. The, the data is only as good as what you're putting what you're putting into it and that usually stems from conversations. Right. And I think that's the the biggest benefit that I see is just getting everybody more involved in in that dialogue. Right. You know, I'm going to date myself here, but I think back to my days of starting 30 years ago in public accounting and it was just the partner just mm-hmm. said, you know, this is what we do and this is when we're doing it and there was no Here's your stack. Yeah, exactly <laughs> and you didn't say it darn thing. Right, right. So, different world. I don't want to go back. <laughs> I don't think any of us do. I think now it's interesting to see how technology just plays a role in every business. And I was talking to someone last week of, you know, if you think about 50 years ago in a CPA world, you just did the work. There was nothing right. else to do. You didn't have committees to help improve this process. You didn't have this software training to learn to implement. You just did the work. So it's interesting to think about how much more time you probably spent actually doing true work than now you have a lot of other stuff that that you're doing to be able to do the work. Right. And I think the important part for our clients too is that you know, we want to spend less time dealing with the the compliance aspect of it and more time actually with the critical thinking. Right. You know, and that, yeah, that's... Yeah, where we can add value to them and, and their business and... Exactly. Planning versus here's, here's what you need to sign on, on the tax return. <laughs> right. 
you know, and but every situation's unique. Clients are different. We have those that come in and, you know, at the last mm-hmm. minute, of course, and they're probably always going to be right. that way. So you, you just, you work around those yeah. things. And But you you know, so you plan for that. You know, they're coming in the last week. So <laughs> there you, go. you already have it planned and ready. So-and-so is a procrastinator. So I know, <laughs> yeah. There, there you go. Yep. That's, that's good stuff. So, well, I appreciate you being on and that's sure. great insight into just kind of some more high level thinking about planning, mm-hmm. scheduling, communication, I really think, and the benefits ultimately that it provides to any Try to business. minimize surprises. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, thanks, Melissa. Great to have you you on. And um, if you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.raycpa.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening this week's show. You can subscribe to Unsuitable on iTunes or wherever you like to get your podcasts, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 